Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to the Successfully Funded Podcast. All right, folks, how's everybody doing? Everybody have a good good weekend, huh? Yeah, it's Tuesday afternoon, and this is Successfully Funded, uh, the Woodshed Agency's podcast, where we break down and deconstruct po- uh, crowdfunding campaigns that have been successful. Um, and we like to talk to project creators while they're in the middle of their campaign so that we can get down to the nitty-gritty of how their idea first came into existence all the way to the point where they have seen the light at the end of the tunnel, the money's coming through Kickstarter or Indiegogo, and they are riding high. And we love to talk about their strategies. How did they get here? What did they do? What marketing campaign did they use? Did they use an agency? Did they not? What's the feedback been for their game? And and obviously, what does the future hold? So that's what we do here. So on today's episode, uh, we have a great conversation with Eduardo Carlate. Carlate, I think I said it right. It sounds about right. And his game, uh, or his project is called the Warage Card Game Extended Edition. And we break down how their card game is going to get to America and Europe. That's their big goal here. And, you know, so far they have 373 backers uh, with eight days to go. And they are closing in on $30,000, which is double their goal. So really great conversation with, with Eduardo, and uh, that's going to be coming up here in a little bit. But before we get to that campaign, I just want to talk a little bit. So, so this morning, I had a dentist appointment, and I still go to the same dentist uh, that I've gone to my entire life. And my wife believes that that is ridiculous. It is somewhat ridiculous. She is not wrong, considering that there is a dentist office within walking distance of my house, but it's not... Dr. Peacock. Dr. Peacock's my dentist, right? Right? So how many of you out there still go to the same dentist, or I guess maybe even doctor's office, uh, that you went to as a child? Um, and why do you go to it? Because I'll tell you why I go to it. It's comfortable. Uh, everybody knows me. I talk a little bit about my family. My hygienist does my mom's teeth, my sister's teeth. I even believe my dad's teeth. That one I'm not 100% sure on. You know, so I go in there and, hey, Jeff, how's it going? They know my kids' names. There is a nice, friendly vibe to it. And for some reason as well, like the corporate dentist office, the franchise dentist office, I don't know, man. I just don't have a cool vibe about those. No offense if you're listening to this and you have the franchise dentist office. Uh, You know, it's no judgment. It's just not my bag. So the ridiculous thing about my drive to the dentist's office is that it takes me about an hour to get there. Uh, it's, you know, about an hour to my hour and 10 minutes to my parents' house, and this dentist's office is about 10 minutes from them. So it's maybe a little under an hour. Uh, but, yeah, I went there, and guess what? My teeth are all clean. My teeth are clean. But, uh, you know, so... I do get a little bit of tartar on the bottom, and I know I'm going into some intense detail on my dentist, so please bear with me. Um, but one of the tools I've been using is a, is a new app, and it's called Coach. Uh, let me make sure I have that 100% correct. I think it's called Coach Me, maybe. Let me, let me double-check here that real quick. Um, but while I'm finding the name of that app, so what I'm liking about the app, and I learned, this, I learned about this app from, uh, from Tim Ferriss, um, 
is you check in on productive tasks or things you're trying to change in your life, and it's a bit almost like a game. Um, so one of my tasks is to floss regularly, um, to fix a little bit of the tartar issue in the bottom. So uh, I'm currently on, I believe, eight days straight of flossing uh, every day. I'm trying to do it before bed, but in a nutshell, I'm trying to make sure I floss every single day. And I'm hoping to get over the hump of 21 days doing it and then the next 21 days and finding, hopefully turning this into a habit that I just do all the time. Um, and I, I think the app's cool. Um, yeah, it's, def- it's called Coach, by the way. I just found it here. Check that app out. The other uh, one I'm using in the app is uh, to tell my wife I love her every day. And I know, don't go getting all sappy here. But uh, I did some research, and, and something I'm trying to change in my life is, is showing um, you know, gratitude and love towards my significant other daily. You don't realize how challenging that is. It's very challenging. It's hard to do. So, uh, sorry, you just heard me itch my beard. I'm also kind of growing my beard out a, a touch, and it's very itchy today. Um, but I'll, pro- so I'll probably cut that down and just keep my big old mustache. Um, but yeah, so the other task that I have in Coach, the app right now, is to tell my wife I love you, love her every day. Um, and I'm doing it in a couple different ways. Uh, uh, and, you know, I've had some pretty good success. I've only been doing this one for, I think, six days. And the first comments kind of coming out of her, what do you want from me? You type of vibe. And nothing. I'm just, you know, just seeing what I can do for you. Just really trying to end negativity. And I'm finding, as like a personal struggle right now, is that negativity is growing like a freaking weeds around me. Um, dealing with some clients, dealing with my personal life, dealing with my parents and the sickness of my dad that you've heard me talk about a few times. I'm finding that if I stood back and fishbowled my life, if I got to like look down, oh, I, I must look like the most miserable person on the planet. So I'm really trying to take a step back. And now, mind you, I'm early, early into this you know, productivity hack or life hack here right now. But I'm just trying to... to to find negativity in every single scenario because it's so easy to do. This person didn't do this. My wife didn't do this. My kids didn't do this. My parents, blah, 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 blah. I could go on and on. And I'm trying to avoid that, you know, because when you do stand back on it, you know, I've got a company that's doing okay right now. It's a young startup and we're having some success. I've got a Kickstarter campaign that we're working on that, you know, up live that, uh, it's probably going to get close to 60K today or tomorrow. You know, we're getting, you know, getting a ton of press on that. I've, I've done more PR in the last three weeks than I've probably done in my entire life in terms of major press dropping. Uh, my kids are healthy and fun and great. We're getting ready to go on vacation soon. So there is so much good stuff. It's just so easy to find the negativity and just constantly bring it up. So... So that's a, that's a bit of a new thing going on here. And the Coach app is an app I'm using to help me, uh, help me do that. <clears throat> so I don't know, too, did you, if you guys had a chance, I don't know if you guys have been to the Woodshed Agency, but there's a couple new blogs up there. Um, the blog that went up uh, for today, for Tuesday, is a blog called Waterworks, and it's all about the July heat. 
Uh, here in Detroit, we will be having, I believe, 100-degree temperatures coming in the next couple days. So I thought I'd, I'd write this to uh, give you guys a heads up. Uh, so check that out. The other blog that um, is doing real well right now, I think through the social media world, it looks like it's getting a lot of retweets. So, um, you know, hopefully that's happening, is uh, my 10 things to share on social media. So I think this is a good... Um, Good list if you are a small company or getting ready to do a crowdfunding campaign. You know, things to be thinking about. Um, uh, you know, things to look at, things, you know, hashtag strategies, so on and so forth. So, so check out that blog as well. And again, you can go to the, you can find those at woodshed.agency backslash blog. Um, the other thing kind of coming up here too is if, if you're interested in an invite and you're in the Detroit area, Tuesday, July 26th uh, from 6 to 9. Uh, I'm going to be talking about crowdfunding at an event um, for a company I'm doing some work for called Detroit Is It. Um, and it's going to be a bunch of networking and some shaking of hands. Uh, and so, yeah, that's coming up July 26th. If you're interested in an invite for that, because you do need to RSVP, um, shoot me an info, jeff at woodshed.agency, and I will hook you up with an invite and try to get you in um, so that we can shake some hands and talk about crowdfunding and your company. So, yes, yeah, so like I said, if you're in the Detroit area, hook me up or look me up, I should say, and um, I'll get you that info. So that was a lot of it. So without further ado, why don't we go ahead and kick it to our our conversation. Sean and I had a conversation with um, the current Kickstarter called Warage Card Game Extended Edition, Um, and we talked to Eduardo Carlate, and let's break down this campaign. Here we go. Everything started a long time ago. Um, we are a little company. Uh, it's called District Games, and uh, we we use uh, Kickstarter mainly to reach more players uh, outside Italy. We are an Italian-based company. Um, so the idea came to us, let's say, because also we were Magic uh, players, Magic the Gathering. I, I'm sure that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want to spend our um, money on too many cards and we couldn't keep up. Then uh, we had this dream of creating our own game. Uh, so we did. Uh, we brought it to several uh, fairs, game fairs around in Italy. Uh, it had a bit of success and that was our first game uh, that we finally managed to produce. And in here with the, this Kickstarter campaign, we want to basically do the same thing but in a bigger scale, we put um, we have actually more than 1,000 uh, cards uh, already uh, developed and tested and also sold uh, for the majority of them already in Italy. We put everything in one box uh, because we want actually to make this dream come true of somebody that wants to play a card game, goes in a shop and buys all the box for more than 1,000 cards and it has all the possibilities of deck construction already uh, in his hands. That's fantastic. Um, tell, tell us a little bit, um, you know, our listeners um, are mostly, uh, you know, people interested in crowdfunding. They may not be specifically knowledgeable about how a fantasy card game works. Can you kind of give us the basics of how your game works and its position in the field? 
Okay, yes, and then maybe we can also go more in detail on how we we touched upon uh, the crowdfunding, but uh, exactly, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, because I'm I'm really uh, you know excited about the product more than the platform, uh, although the platform is super important for us right now. Uh, yes. But okay, um, so the game, um, this is a, as you said, it's a fantasy card game. It means that um, you have a lot of playing uh, normal paper card. Uh, uh, cards in your hand and on those cards uh, you have some uh, artworks quite nice actually and each one uh, each single card has a different artwork and together with the artwork there is also a bit of other layout that gives you some um, numbers and values and uh, those are the key uh, variables that you use to play um, so you may in this uh, in war age in our game uh, you are you impersonify a hero so there is a card that represents the race, a card that represents the class, kind of an orc warrior, for instance. And you have to equip your hero with using other cards that represents weapons, shields, uh, spells, and whatever. Um, and those cards give your hero a buff or a debuff to your um, variables, which are um, attack, defense, and magic. And then, with a combination of different mechanics, you calculate your uh, your uh, the damage that you uh, inflict to your opponents, and the game goes on. So this is a very high-level view, uh, but basically it's um, a bit of uh, a mix of uh, Dungeons & Dragons and uh, uh, Magic the Gathering, let's say. Very so good. I just I just shoot two big names. So in an Hopefully that uh, somebody can uh, <laughs> right. uh, ring your bell. Yeah. <laughs> give us give us an idea of just how big the gaming community is worldwide for these types of games. So, um, it is still a niche market, uh, but uh, the leader, uh, which is again uh, um, the, the the owner of the brand of Magic the Gathering, so Wizards of the Coast, um, is quite big. Is owned by Hasbro. Um, and they sell, oh, I don't know many, but uh, should be around five to ten. Uh, I'm really large in here. Five to ten million uh, uh, euro of uh, cards around. Um, so it is still a niche market, but it's quite profitable if you manage to enter with an LCG, which is what we are doing now. LCG is um, actually it's a denomination that was uh, invented by Fantasy Flight Games, another big player. Uh, in the card game market, but instead of having a collectible game uh, in which the uh, consumer has to buy little packages of 10, 15 cards max each time, um, Fantasy Flight came up with this LCG, which means leaving a card game, which means that you buy a box and inside it there is usually everything what you need. Hmm. So we are following a bit this. Uh, actually, we came up with it a bit earlier because we <laughs> we invented it like five years ago. But we are no one, so <laughs> we cannot <laughs> we cannot give a name to anything. Uh, so they did, and uh, that's what we refer to uh, also in interviews or in um, um, other other reviews of the game. We, we call it an LCG because it's everything in, in one box. Hmm. And in this kind of market, which is a bit similar to one of uh, Wizards of the Coast, but uh, slightly different because of the packaging. This one, it's a bit, it's much larger. This will be around 20, I guess, uh, because it comprehends a lot of other uh, kind of games. It's not only card games, living card game, but also miniatures and this kind of stuff. Kind of stuff. Very cool. So, I mean, 
I have a sense of the size of the potential audience based on one thing. And, you know, every time I go into Target, which is a chain of retailers around the U.S., the first thing you see behind the cash registers is a wall of Magic the Gathering cards. So, you know, I know that even though that this is a niche market, you know, this is still something that, you know, is millions and millions and millions of users that are your potential customers. So, yes. Yeah. So the, but let's talk a little bit about the strategy of using Kickstarter. You know, you say this is an existing game inside of Italy, but you're using Kickstarter to reach broader audiences. How did you come to that decision? So in Italy, um, if you look also at the geographical shape, we are quite long, very thin. Um, it is, there is no um, easy solution to bring the card game a- everywhere. In a sense that in Italy we have a lot of uh, uh, big supermarkets in close to uh, city centers, but in the rural areas it's not that developed, meaning that there are very little shops and everyone has his own owner, uh, so you cannot reach all of them. So when we first invented and developed and distributed War Age, we didn't do it through the um, um, supermarkets, so like Target in the U.S., but we did it through um, um, game suppliers. So those are big, let's say, players in Italy that distribute the games to little tiny shops of games in every single city in Italy. That was very difficult for us because there are um, around seven to eight uh, of these kind of uh, retailers, big retailers or wholesalers, let's say, of games. Um, and everybody of them uh, is uh, trying to acquire a bit more of the uh, you say clients, which are for them these little shops of games around mm-hmm. in the city. Another problem is that on top of their battles um, against these, let's say, two, three hundred shops all over Italy, um, these little shops close and open uh, every day. Um, it's uh, a very high demand of capital not to open one because these little shops need to have a lot of games inside to attract customer. This little shop has to pay all of them in advance, but then they have to sell. And so we see a lot of little shops opening and closing. Therefore, the wholesalers, these six, seven players in Italy, are advertising their, uh, let's say, customer-based, but we know that it is changing on a daily basis because these shops open and close. Um, so it is very difficult or to, to, to go in a, let's say, um, unified way in the Italian market. We have to do distribution ourselves sometimes in fairs and this kind, in this kind of events. And we wanted to, to reply your, to your question, we wanted to try a different approach. So instead of going to the U.S. Uh, to target, which obviously it's too big uh, to chew for us for now, it's uh, already served by thousands and thousands of uh, suppliers of games, um, we wanted to try another way to make us our company recognized in the U.S. market. And we know that Kickstarter as a crowdfunding platform is very well recognized, especially for games nowadays. Uh, there is this uh, very nice trend that uh, we are experiencing also with other, let's say, colleagues or partners like Cool Minis or not. They are making millions on Kickstarter because it is a good platform to showcase uh, products, sometimes to pre-sell them, uh, but it is uh, it has a lot of unique visitors, and most of them 
are unique visitors which are interested in those kind of products. Um, so for us, it is, let's say, our investment in Kickstarter hopefully will bring more uh, return on investment than any other campaign that we could have run to reach Target or to reach uh, Tesco or whatever other mm-hmm. wholesaler you have. You know, one of the things I'm looking at, kind of just kind of going through this, is the amazing artwork. How do you guys source this sort of artwork? Is that somebody internally to your team, or how does that? Tell me how that grows, or how, how does that expand the artwork for for this game? So that was the most difficult step uh, that we had uh, four years ago. Um, artworks are really expensive, and mm-hmm. that's normal because you have to pay hours of work of one artist. Um, they range from 100 to 180 uh, euro per artwork. Um, so we have quite many, and uh, we 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 would have let's say spent 50 or 60 thousand only to have the required artworks to start with. Uh, instead of doing that, we um, started with a uh, let's say revenue sharing model with the artists. We had uh, 10 at the beginning. They are not working. They were not working for us, um, and we started, let's say, in this way. Then we started to repay them as soon as we were earning money out of the, the game. Mm. And with the latest versions, now we are paying upfront for the new artworks that mm. we, we we call. So we started in a way that uh, it's not. I think it's more the market practice, uh, also for bigger companies. And now we are more leaning towards the way of uh, remunerating the the people in advance. And actually, we are now having this pool of artists, around 40, uh, that worked with us in the past and are willing to work with us in the future. They are not our employees, but uh, they're freelancers that have each their their own uh, unique uh, abilities. And uh, we contact them thanks to our uh, art director, which instead is one of our employees, gotcha. and uh, is uh, coordinating, let's say, a bit uh, uh, all the art um, situation. Hmm. Very cool. So, yeah. where have you guys seen the most amount of traffic? Are you seeing that your product is mostly in, the, in Europe, or you know, is there any? And if it isn't, like, how are you doing in the United States? Like, and are there any challenges to marketing your product? kind of globally because of Kickstarter. Now, if we look at the Kickstarter dashboard, um, which um, is quite a useful tool, or uh, Google Analytics, which which you can uh, link to your Kickstarter page, um, we are having basically 40% of visitors uh, from uh, Canada, uh, 50 from uh, US, and the 10% remaining depends scattered across the world. Hmm. We were expecting much, much, much more from Europe, uh, but this is not happening. Um, We were expecting, although we are not promoting in Europe, but we know from other campaigns uh, and uh, articles that usually also Europe plays a a big role. But in our case, we try to to touch upon only U.S. markets. So apparently it does count (laughs) quite a lot. Um, So... All the backers that we have should be, um, I mean, I'm talking about the visits, I'm not about the backers, mm-hmm. uh, because the backers, I don't, uh, I cannot say, I cannot tell where they come from. I mean, I could, but I should check one by one. And then right. I suspect they are the majority from the same places, so U.S. backers. 
So let's talk a little bit about your promotion strategy. What tools have you been using to reach uh, North America? Okay, that's a very good question. Uh, for whoever starts uh, any Kickstarter campaign, um, they will soon realize that they have done all wrong. Um, <laughs> yes, that's uh, yeah. the that's reality of things. You try to plan, you spend months in planning, in reaching out to potential reviewers, in reaching out to people that could speak about you, and so on and so forth. Then you launch, and then you realize that you missed uh, at least uh, 10 of them uh, that were actually super, super famous and so on. So um, what we did, we reached out to the people that we knew um, would have uh, talked about Rage somehow with reviews on something or something else, sending out demos. Um, we reached out to the most famous reviewers that we could, uh, we could uh, spot, also using a very useful portal, which is called the Board Game Geek. It's a big uh, community on games online. Um, we reached out colleagues or partners with whom we worked before. Uh, then a lot of advertising um, in the same platform that I mentioned before, so Board Game Geek, and uh, KickTrack. Uh, which is, you may, mm -hmm. I'm sure that you know it, um, which is a bit much cheaper, let's say, than uh, um, Board Game Geek because it has a bit of a wider audience, whereas Board Game Geek is only for who is interested in board games. Um, but nonetheless, it was uh, worth trying. I cannot say that it was completely wrong, uh, although so far I don't see any... Um, uh, I would not advise anybody to to do the same thing. Um, the ads are nice to bring traffic, but then the traffic need to convert uh, to a back uh, to to somebody that backs the project. And in our cases, from these two sources, we are not reaching the break even. Hmm. So hmm. I depend, most probably depends on the many variables. But in our case, that was not the case. In our case. All, uh, let's say, the eighty percent of it was uh, coming directly from Kickstarter. So and, people and you guys have a lot of backers right now with sixteen days to go. I mean, that that's, seems like it's a good amount of backers so far. Uh, yes, it's it's quite good, and in fact, uh, we are quite happy. Uh, more than three hundred something. Mm -hmm. um, we are quite happy about it. Uh, but again, most of them come uh, from Kickstarter, so they discovered us. From Kickstarter, we are actually asking our backers via private message where did they discover us. Mm -hmm. Most of them say from the Kickstarter page. Very few from Twitter and Facebook. Uh, even fewer from uh, BoardGameGeek and KickTrack. Um, so it is very different. But nobody from reviews, nobody from uh, YouTube, nobody from uh, um, places that I was actually hope well expecting people to to notice us. You know, I think that kind of tracks with some of the knowledge we've been gaining. Our, our third partner, who unfortunately couldn't make the podcast, um, is a gaming um, Kickstarter creator. He, he's created several games, um, successfully launched them on Kickstarter. And we're finding out that Kickstarter itself is probably the strongest network for the gaming community. Um, seeing new games, discovering new games. So... I think it's a really unique space that gaming projects have is that, you know, Kickstarter 
people just look for new games, look for new opportunities on Kickstarter, where that may not be so true with music or film or, or other categories. Uh, in mind will be, and it actually, again, it, it reflects what is happening right now to us. Everybody, let's say, a lot of people come from Kickstarter, but the problem with that is that you cannot advertise, right. in a sense. Either you are in the first day, and then you are on top of the most recent. Either you are in the last 48 hours, and then you are on top because you are about to expire. But if you are in the middle, then you are really in the ocean and nobody will ever see you, unless you have the ribbon project we love, uh, which we do have uh, since the second day. Um, but that does not ensure you people that people see you every day. In fact, we experience a lot of visits from Kickstarter, but it is not uh, 10,000 visitors per day. We are around, we are around 1,200 visits per day. Okay. And you guys have been you guys have done a really good job. It looks like with the updates. I mean, uh, you know, it's almost like you're putting out one a day. Do you guys have an, a backer update strategy that you guys are using to kind of convert people who might have been a lower backer to higher backer or? Or kind of talk talk to me a little bit about how, how you guys are approaching your behind the behind the scenes updates. Yeah. So um, another very nice question. Um, we started with a plan, um, but as as I said, when you have a plan, you most probably you're wrong, uh, because when you enter in Kickstarter, you dialogue directly with your customers. They are a bit biased as well because of other huge uh, players and huge projects that are in Kickstarter, and they expect the same treatment or the same kind of conditions, which sometimes a small company cannot really give. So here we have a bit of a trade-off because what do we do? We follow our plan, try to uh, to keep our motivation and, uh, and strategy in line, or we follow what the customers want uh, because, well, this is what it is expected. Mm-hmm. And when this happens and you're running a campaign that is very difficult to maintain your strategy, because then you have the question, what if we did this? What if we did that? So instead of, uh, um, let's say, crushing our head on the wall too many times, we decided to apply our strategies, uh, which is, as you can see, the 12 stretch goals that there are in the web in the page, but adding on those stretch goals a bit of flavor with the social quests, which is what usually people ask for. Um, in here, there is another contradiction because we were asked to do so, and so we did, by many players, by many people, not on, only by one. Uh, but then there is not much, uh, let's say, follow-up. For instance, we say with a social quest that we will unlock for free a stretch goal if there are, uh, I think, 50 shares on Facebook of a specific link. And then after one week, we still not reach the 50 shares. So in here, I'm a bit puzzled because we did it just because we were asked to do so. Mm. And it, it's a nice also incentive for the backers because there are more than 300 backers. If uh, just the, the, the click a button and then one stretch goal is unlocked for everybody. But... There is no, let's say, follow-up. So we are a bit puzzled and a bit frustrated because we are like, okay, we, we are going outside from our strategy. We are actually going to earn a bit less if we do such a thing for you. 
we start this, but then there's no follow-up. So it's <laughs> like we are failing another thing, which is not true because we are actually helping them. So that's why you never do, you never make the right choice on Kickstarter. I, I think that the best thing is to follow your gut and, uh, and go yeah. with the flow. How big is your team? We are, um, okay, let me start with another another information. Um, this is not our first job. So we, all of us have our separate job in completely seven different industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was our hobby. And that's why we founded the District Games. So we are working on it after work. Gotcha. Which actually makes sense because in any case, in the US, yep. <laughs> you, you wake up when you usually we are done working. So <laughs> uh, it means that we are a bit under stress, especially with the Kickstarter, uh, but we are three. Plus, uh, another uh, member of the team that is currently not working on this Kickstarter, but is leading other projects that, of course, this Games is still on top of, uh, of. Uh, plus the game, uh, um, the, not the game designer. Um, um, my God, I forgot the word. Okay, the guy that is leading all the artists. Okay. Oh, right, right, right. They are director. They are director. Yeah, director. director. I wanted to address with the proper proper title, which is, again is helping, but is not um, is not doing following the campaign. 100 mm-hmm. percent so it's just providing sometimes graphics that if we need and that's it so basically we are three and it depends on uh, each private's life uh, how we can handle so everybody has the password of everything as you can imagine so. <laughs> yep yep so um you know how about the difficulties in printing and manufacturing the actual game how hard is that for you guys to achieve in Italy? And, and do you have to source everything? You know, how does how hard is it to get everything in one box for your for your product? And that one is the thing that we are the most confident with because we printed many games already, um, many versions of War Age as well, uh, many other games like uh, board game for real, like one is called Richard the First, and it's all of them done with the same manufacturer in Poland. Um, we are working with them very well. We know them. We already have uh, all what we need in order to produce. Uh, actually, we already have all the artworks and so on. We just need to, uh, you know, look again at the translations and uh, the rule book to make sure that it's, uh, um, it, the English is super correct. And then we can go on printing. So with the, this, with the manufacturing, it's uh, from our side, we are very experienced with it. Uh, I would say it's a piece of cake for us. With the distribution uh, as well, that is quite um, quite safe. We we did already one Kickstarter uh, two two years ago. Two years ago, um, we used uh, at that time. Um, we started to use at that time Amazon. Um, we tried it for a little bit, and then uh, we also used the help of another distributor in the US. This time, we will go fully with Amazon um, uh, fulfillment. Um, which is quite uh, quite nice for an organization like ours. Um, so we are very confident about that one as well, and that's what actually matters the most to us. So, mm-hmm. so I've read that you're already shipped the game off for manufacturing and printing. So what is what does the next few months and year look like for you guys? 
so we mm, we did not send anything to print. I don't know where you saw that. Oh, it was a uh, uh, must have misread on the. On ah, the page. okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> because of of course we have to wait until the campaign ends to see how many yeah. stretch goals we unlock, and then we will uh, send the production. Um, but sorry, what was what was the other question? Oh, uh, so you know, let, let's talk about that first. So let's talk about the stretch goal strategy. You know, mm. you have you've laid out what each stretch goal is going to be with a dollar amount. Um, talk about how that enhances the game. Okay, it enhances the game quite a lot, actually. Um, we have uh, done an update recently, I believe yesterday, on the metrics of uh, the heroes combination that you can create. Basically, every single stretch goal increases not only the number of tools that the, the hero can, can use, but also the different heroes that you can have. Uh, and there are a lot of combinations. So it is a kind of an exponential, exponential growth uh, with every single stretch goal. And that was actually the drive that uh, um, convinced us to put so many stretch goals. Um, we, are <clears throat> we, we started all this adventure because War 8 should have been um, a LCG game, but sold throughout one year one solar year, so 365 days in different expansions. But instead of doing this with Kickstarter, we want to put all one year of, uh, let's say, um, additional expansion of the game all together. And that was the value added for the backers of, uh, uh, of Kickstarter. Um, I don't know if the message passed uh, or not. I I just know that the people in Kickstarter wants. Uh, content, exclusive content, and that's what we're happy to, to, to give them to help us. And uh, the 12 stretch goals now are becoming more, um, how can I say, um, an objective towards we will have to move because otherwise the content will not be enough for the backers of Kickstarter. And that is a bit the other side of the coin. Uh, if the campaign reaches the, let's say, 40,000, then everybody will have everything. If it does not, then the stretch goals are not unlocked. Uh, then the campaign will, let's say, the, the, sorry, the, the, the final game will not have all the contents that we promoted because we, we promote up to 1,000 cards, but we need to unlock the stretch goals. So the stretch goals are very promising, very close to each other, should be very easy to achieve. But instead we are, let's say, experiencing this bit of a slow momentum at the time being. Sometimes it's normal in the middle of the campaign. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we, uh, now I explain to you why we started with the 12, we keep the 12, we try to get faster until the 12th. Yeah, we, we call the middle of the campaigns the trough of sorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we are <You> know, there. <laughs> yes, and that, that's, you know, psychologically that is the hardest time, you know, during the campaign is those middle 15 days, you know, of a 30-day campaign where, Things are just trickling in, and it feels like you can't move the needle much. But um, that's normal. You know, that's yeah. how Kickstarter works. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Also, if I may add one point on this uh, very quickly, um, backers also leave the campaign. Uh, they don't have to stay for 30 days. Mm -hmm. And that is also something that goes against having a lot of stretch goals. Um, we learned it in the hard way. Uh, because people may back, and then after th three days they leave. Uh, so you have to count on the net increase of backers. 
But if everybody would have stayed since the beginning of the campaign, we did a calculation yesterday night, we would be at 35,000 now. Mm. So everybody would have a lot more. So you cannot reach back the backers that left you. There must be thousands of good reasons for leaving the campaign. Maybe they'll come back in the last 48 hours, you don't know. But if everybody that started to back was still in the campaign, currently we would have unlocked many more stretch goals and for the benefits of all. So, Yeah, we, we find typically good advice to campaigns is those are things you can't control, you know. Yes, indeed. If you're, if you're having a mass exodus of backers, maybe there's something that, you know, was done or, or a misstep or, or communication. You can always evaluate what you're doing. But you, you just have to be smart and proactive. And, and no, of course, that. of course. I think that is a, when, you, when you have a five coming and two going, five coming and two going, usually there's nothing wrong. It's just how it, how it is. And uh, as you said, there's nothing you can do. Nope, nope. But you guys have hit your goal. You're, you're well on your way to, you know, you got a couple of stretch goals unlocked. Um, with 16 days to go, you know, I'm pleased to report that the end of the Trough of Sorrow is awesome momentum in your last few days. So you do have some uh, some bright future to look forward to. Um, have you guys planned for the last few days strategy? Do you have something um, in mind to help push you? So um, we actually played uh, one, uh, one of our cards uh, recently. Um, we were a bit pleased about it because we were, we were not expecting, let's say, fully expecting it. But uh, we were mentioned by... Um, Culminis or not, um, let's say, sister company, so Guillotine Games, in their Facebook page. And this is quite a great advertising for us. Um, this one was one of the of the things that we wanted to, we were counting on, uh, as well as uh, an interview from Jig Dead, uh, which was as well, uh, well, well done. And both of them happened current, like yesterday. Hmm. or two days ago. So we now don't have anything specific for the end of the campaign unless, not not unless, um, um, uh, but uh, our own efforts. So we don't expect any outside help. Um, We will just promote more uh, on Facebook or in BorgMGIC as well. Uh, We have currently um, a contest live, so which is a quiz, that people can go and uh, answers to the questions. And while they learn more about the game, they also have the chance to win free shipping, which is uh, quite a good deal for, for, for the backers. Uh, we hope that people will just see us uh, in the last 48 hours in Kickstarter itself. Uh, but aside from pushing and giving more contents and engaging the backers with social quests, uh, we don't have anything else. Fantastic. Well, you know, you, you've got a great project, you guys. Even though you're, you're learning as you go, you're, you're discovering that's how Kickstarter works. You hit your goal, you're going to do great. It's a very cool project. Um, we, we wish all the best for you. Um, so this is Warage Card Game Extended Edition by District Games. Uh, they got about 16 days left to go on their campaign. Uh, they've hit their goal, so let's... let's uh, Everyone check it out. Help them get all their stretch goals unlocked so they can make the best game possible. Um, thank you very much. It was so fun talking with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.
How about that conversation? Huh? I, I find it so intriguing, this idea of bringing products to the states and the challenge that uh, consists with that. And it's something that myself and Sean and Paul, I bet you we all take for granted. I know I do. Um, but it, it's intriguing when you hear somebody from Italy or, or, or wherever over in Europe. Um, I just actually had a really good conversation with a company in the Philippines that are trying to do a camp, uh, doing a board game, and, a, and they want to do a Kickstarter campaign in October. They're trying to find a way to get their product here in America. Um, but you start seeing those challenges. And what uh, what's really cool about the Warage game that Eduardo was talking about is they've got so much interest going on they've been around for five years they've got a track record um and and they've got a great following going on i mean they've got a ton of backers for this game um and and the other thing too if you look at the kickstarter page which mind you the link will be in the in the page this is hosted on on our website you know look at the comments look at how excited people are and i think that's the sign of when you see um social media done correctly when you see influencers involved, when you see just overall excitement, and you get these comments, you get people talking. And sometimes in these campaigns, you know, you can, you, you're, you know, you, you almost have a, have, that's the better way to go, where you get people talking behind the scenes. The, the way to go that's it's a very uphill and challenging battle that costs a lot of money is the traditional route. Big press, all big press. And not doing a good enough job of establishing um, your base core support Um, and this is an example of what you can do with kickstarter when you have that support Um, the other really intriguing thing on this campaign too i thought was um, the way they're using stretch goals i hope everybody if you're thinking about running a campaign listen to how they're doing it listen to how the stretch goals are helping their campaign that the the stretch goals are making their, their product better that's the way to do stretch goals and if you want to read a blog uh on the woodshed agency Check out, go to our blog section and read why you need stretch goals and why they're so important. I can't harp on this enough. So um, check that out as well. So again, I want to uh, send a, a thank you to Eduardo for taking the time out to talk with us and to share his knowledge about their campaign. I wish them all the success in the world. They've already, you know, they're almost at doubling their goal. Um, it's going to be a great product. So um, all right, guys. Uh, we've got a couple other interviews coming up next week. Make sure you keep tuning in to our Cream Updates blogs where we keep behind, kind of showing you some behind the scenes. Um, we just actually had a great milestone there where we crossed the halfway point and we're starting to move into that next territory. So, um, you know, we're getting into the third quarter of the, uh, the Cream campaign and you can hear all about that also on our podcast. So um, if you are a subscriber, make sure you are um, subscribed to the iTunes app. If you know somebody that you think would like this camp, you know, like this uh, this podcast, please share it with them. And um, all right, guys, uh, another one in the books. Talk to y'all later.